What's up, Inside OU listeners? Hello. Yes, I am just as angry and sad and mad and and crying as you all are because the game has been canceled against West Virginia. So now we have to wait even longer for OU's date with Iowa State in the Big 12 Championship. But Keegan and I went ahead and reacted to the cancellation what it means for OU's playoff chances, what it means for everything OU, including some recruiting talk, Iowa State slight preview. I mean, we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there next week. We've still got a lot of time. But uh, I also recorded the weekly Thursday segment that I started doing with the Road Warrior last week, yesterday, and we talked about memories of West Virginia on the road since 2012. And I thought about maybe just not putting it on this week, but because we recorded it, because I like the Road Warriors so much, and because there's really nothing else to entertain us, because Keegan did a good job of laying out who was actually playing this Saturday, I figured, you know, everybody probably wants a little bit of this extra entertainment. So I'm going to keep all the Road Warriors segment in there. So just forgive the whole, hey, I can't wait for the game to be played on Saturday. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So just bear with us. Uh, I enjoyed my time with the Road Warrior, as always. Look forward to more talks with him. And then afterwards, Keegan and I meet up at Vanessa House to cry in our microphones. So thank you once again to Vanessa House. Thank you once again to everything that makes Inside OU work and continue. And thank you all for listening. But try and enjoy the show. I enjoyed it. Hopefully you do. Boomer soon, everybody. It's going to be better. Welcome to the Inside OU Podcast. Brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been for all these years. Boomer Sooner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Inside OU podcast. And if you missed last week, uh, we started a new little segment uh, that will be a recurring thing. Um, for the rest of football season, which isn't that much longer, but I'm fairly certain we're going to work some way to get this gentleman on um, even more as we go along into the offseason after the Big 12 championship game, after the bowl game, whatever that may be, and then, of course, into recruiting. Because once we get into that neck of the woods, uh, all we have to do is talk about what's going to happen in the future and then what's going to and then what happened in the past. And that's one of my more favorite topics to kind of go into. So, um, again, he was on last week. You know him. You love him. It's the Road Warrior returns once again for the Thursday show. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Just enjoying a 70 degree 70 degree weather day in Oklahoma uh, in December. So uh, can't wait to record this and then maybe go out for a little jog, enjoy this weather, and then go to the gym and then probably do some more Thunder stuff later on tonight. So always a fun day in Oklahoma this time of year, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, you know, you gotta turn the you gotta turn the AC on in in the day, and you gotta turn the heat on at night, and yeah, it's always fun. I actually did that last night. It was a little too warm for me, um, and I couldn't believe what I was doing. But I turned the AC on. And I'm like, you know what? Oh well, I'm just like, if it makes my bill jump up ten dollars, I don't care. You know, it's just, yeah, I got kids sleeping upstairs at my house, and they it's it's fifty degrees outside, and they turn on the air conditioner. <laughs> So, oh man, I'm trying to break him on that. Oh well, good luck to you on that one, sir. But yes, we've got actual football this week. Um, our original plan was to bring you on two weeks ago, and of course, the West Virginia game got postponed. 
And now we finally, at least as of right now, we're recording Wednesday at around three o'clock in the afternoon. I have heard no bad news either from Oklahoma's uh, side of things or even West Virginia that even I saw last week, they were starting to deal with some positive COVID tests going into the Iowa State game. So, uh, so far, so good. It seems like this game is going to be played uh, for better or for worse. But um, I guess right off the bat, since you are going to your 9,000th game in a row into Morgan uh, for OU, but going to Morgantown this uh, weekend, are you glad that it's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff so you can just get into town, go into the game, take care of business, go home? Or would you rather be in Morgantown all day Saturday? Well, I will, I will tell you, I, this will be the first time I've ever spent a night in West Virginia. Oh, wow. I have never, I have never slept in West Virginia in my life. Uh, every time we've gone up there, I've stayed in Washington, Pennsylvania, which is about halfway between Pittsburgh and um, Morgantown. This time, uh, because since the last time we were up there, uh, my brother lives in lives just outside of D.C. So uh, I'm taking a couple of little ones and we're flying into uh, National Airport in D.C. on Friday. And then he's going to pick us up and we're driving straight to Morgantown, spend the night across the street from the stadium and then. Uh, um, go to the game and drive back to Virginia. So you just have something against West Virginia or is it just the way that it worked out? <laughs> it's just the way that it works out. I mean, Morgantown is almost as bad as Lubbock as far as, uh, um, fleecing people for hotels on game weekends. <laughs> and I can, st I've stayed at the same hotel in, in Washington PA for, you know, what, 10 years now, I guess. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's about a, it's about a 45 minute hour drive to Morgantown. So it's far enough outside that it's not crowded. You zip in, zip back and you're that much closer to the airport. Usually I'm flying out really early in the morning from Pittsburgh the next morning. So, well, uh, I guess there are, I mean, depending on your, not necessarily yours, but the Royal, your, the listener, depending on your opinion of West Virginia, I guess there could be worse things. There could be better things, I'm sure. But I'll admit I'm a little jealous because I've actually never been to Morgantown yet. Um, I actually had a little bit of an opportunity to maybe go to this game this week uh, for relatively cheap. But yeah, I don't really want to, not in the mood to travel this entire year of 2020, even though it sounds so much fun to just get in the car, get on a plane, wear a mask, do all the necessary things, and just go somewhere else for a few weeks and unwind. You know, that... It sounds fun, but I mean, more power to you, sir. You are uh, you're on a great crusade with what is this actually numbers wise? This is 379, I believe. 379. So a handful and, and of those. For the, for the record, I have the only traveling I've done, the only times I've been out of the state since uh, the end of January, 1st of February has been for football games. That's it. I've been on an airplane once in the last year plus, which was to go up to Iowa State. So I'm, I'm only doing I'm only doing the, the bare minimum necessary to maintain going yeah. to all the games. I'm not doing any other traveling. So. Of course, there are important things in life and keeping the streak alive is one of those things. No question. But, um, you know, a handful of those games that you've been to have now included some trips to Morgantown, uh, some exciting, uh, some exciting for the wrong reasons, some exciting for the right reasons. Uh, I guess whenever the conversation of OUS Virginia football in terms of the Big 12 matchup, since they've been in the conference, everybody's you know mind jumps to the 2012 game that OU won at the last second. Uh, that is ultimately just known as the Tavon Austin game. And I guess when you're kind of reminiscing about 
the matchup against West Virginia based on all the games that you've been to. Is that where your brain goes to, or do you think of Samaj P. Ryan in 2014 where Josh Heupel just said, yeah, we're not going to throw the ball Trevor Knight. We're just going to have Samaj P. Ryan win this game or the 2016 game where it seemed like West Virginia was primed to beat OU for the first time in conference history. And then OU goes up 42 to, the, 42 to nothing in the blizzard in the blink of an eye. Well, the, the blizzard game is actually the one that I that stands out to me because of the blizzard. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Tavon Austin game, um, I think that was the first time we went up there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was and, the first conference matchup. Right. And, and you know, I, I remember going up there and having heard, you know, the, the, the stories about the reputation of the West Virginia fans and how they were, you know, nasty and hard on opposing fans and stuff like that. But I think, you know, because we were a big name program, they were coming into the conference, they were literally on their best behavior. I mean, I'm, I am not joking about that because I had people say it to me. It's yeah, like, we're not, we don't act like this normally. We're doing it for you, basically. Um, now, since then, I mean, there's a, and we won't be able to do it this year, but I mean, there's a, uh, there's a West Virginia fan that, that, uh, one of my friends became friendly with, and we go to his tail. We go to their tailgate before the game every time we go up there, um, uh, and you know, just have never had a bad have never had a bad fan experience up there. The people have always, you know, I mean, aside from the you know the odd drunkard or whatever, but you get that everywhere. Um, yeah, been a really good experience with the fans up there. So, and of course, we've never lost. So. Knock on wood, that continues this Saturday around the afternoon, evening time. That still is. Hopefully that is still the case, but yeah, I guess since we're talking about the 2012 game as well, um, my, I just remember that was, of course, Mike Stoops' first year um, in his second stint as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, and so the biggest thing about that game was, yeah, it was the Tavon Austin game, but it was also the game that basically kept uh, Tony Jefferson from being drafted. And Tony Jefferson went on to have a really great career in the NFL. And at one point was the highest paid safety in the league for about a year or so, if I recall, but that game was probably the one that pissed him off the most in terms of his relationship with Mike Stoops and then kept him from being drafted because Mike Stoops decided let's put him at middle linebacker. And it, it worked about as well as it sounds, even if you are a little too young to remember that game um, or if you've just blotted it out of your memory entirely. Tony Jefferson at middle linebacker. It wasn't, it wasn't fun, but I mean, how frustrating was it to see OU's offense go out there and score with relative ease and then knowing that the defense is going to go back out on the field to try and tackle Tavon Austin? Well, you know, I thought it was, I mean, you say Tony Jefferson was playing middle linebacker. That, maybe that's what they called it. Um, I it was, don't believe we used linebackers <laughs> in that game. There were yeah. no linebackers. There was no one in the middle of the field. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, it was exasperating. It was, it was many things. I said many bad words. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, if I recall correctly, uh, Landry Jones hit Kenny Stills on a slant inside the last minute and we won by a point or two points Yes, uh, back. And I think that was really the first, the first of many games that were like 50 to 48, 52 to 49. I mean, there we've had not just with West Virginia. I mean, we've had multiple games that ended up, you know, nail biters at, at, at half a hundred for both teams. So yeah. it's not ideal, but you know, a win's a win, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, how spoiled does this make me sound as an OU fan when I think of that game, other than just the obvious what happened in the game, like just my overall 
feeling of that win. It's one of my top three least favorite OU wins of all time that I've been alive for to watch. Um, I'd put the 2016 OU Texas Tech game up there as well, just because it's entertaining. But when you're watching the game with expectations, uh, championship expectations, just a standard, and the defense surrenders point after point after touchdown after touchdown after 100-yard performance, it just gets to a point where this isn't football. This is a video. I'm watching two 14-year-olds play Madden right now. It's not fun. And and maybe it was just because I was in college at the time I was at OU. Maybe I, I drank a little bit more back then than what I do now. So maybe that was fueled entirely by alcohol. But it's just not a game that I ever pull up on YouTube and say, I want to watch the 2012 OU West Virginia game. Well, if you if you want if you want a less satisfying victory, uh, go look up the 1998 TCU game. Oh, the one where uh What's his name? Jake's who was the quarterback? Well, I think Pat Fletcher was the quarterback. Patrick Fletcher threw the game winning interception. Correct. <laughs> and and I want to say, I can't remember who it was. It seems like it was Steven Alexander uh stripped the D back and we got the ball back and then he kicked the kicked the winning field goal to win 10 to 9 in a game where we didn't score at all until there was like two and a half minutes left in the game or three. Yeah, and I think TCU, um I think if I'm if I recall correctly, I think TCU actually had another shot after the field goal. I think they got the ball back, and then a freshman, Roy Williams, yeah, Roy either, Williams either forced the fumble or picked up a fumble, or was an interception. I can't remember, but I just remember. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're confusing that with the 2001 OU Texas game. Oh yes, he Roy made the Roy made the the tackle on the on the last play, which I think was a kickoff uh, at the, in that TCU game. Yeah, but I think you're thinking of the, the 01 uh, OU Texas game where. Uh, Roy uh, has the super, or well, let's see. Roy has the Superman play. Then he makes the tackle on the ensuing kickoff. Then he intercepts a pass on the following play. Yeah, Three like around the like around the fifty yard line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah was... That that was one of the that was one of the games that you know gave rise to the saying that you know three quarters of the earth is covered by water and the other quarter and the rest is covered by Roy Williams. Oh man, that was so much fun. I. Uh, I mean, for those listening, the, the whole point of these segments is just a whole bunch of reminiscing on the series in which OU is like, what? let's say OU's playing Baylor. You know, I'll ask the Road Warrior about his favorite trips to Waco, which I'm sure he can list about 12,000 of those. But um, fortunately, he's gotten out alive each time because he's still here talking to us. But um, it, it's going to be a little bit of that. And then we're going to have a final segment where I'm going to pick a random game from the 90s and just see if he can just spurn off a handful of uh, memories. That works for me. Oh, yes. I, I've tried to repress a lot of memories of games in the 90s, so it'll depend. But it, It's a fun era for me to go back and listen to, to read about, because you just don't hear about it that much. And oh, There's a reason you don't hear about it that much. Exactly. but it's, it's a lot more fun now than it was then, I can tell you that. Real quick on, I guess, one more thing on the Roy Williams <laughs> stuff uh my dad or my family and i we were stationed in abilene texas at the time and i remember my dad and i went to a friend's of his house to go watch that game and his friends were all texas fans so basically my dad and i are the only ou fans in that room and just <laughs> just screaming hugging each other in a room of like 10 texas fans who were just sitting there in disbelief like what just happened like what did we just see? And then 
of course, like you described how it ended, it was just like salt on the wound at that point. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it, the likelihood of them have, doing anything with the possession that that play happened on was somewhere between slim and not. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, I, yes, that was the play that clinched the game, but you will never convince me that they had a chance to score a touchdown and go 97 yards and score a touchdown in the last three minutes of that game. I've always wondered if Chris Sims has never sent Nathan Vasher a, a Christmas card because he's the one who actually put them in that position by catching that pooch punt. And I just never will forget Brent Musburger's voice going, what is he doing? Well, and it's not like he fair, it's not like he fair caught it. Didn't realize where it wasn't fair caught it. He like dove and caught it on the ground. Yeah. I think he was just confused what was going on. I don't know if he thought it was a kickoff or what. Yeah, like, I don't know what the rule is. Should I catch it? Or if I don't catch it, what's going to happen? I don't know. We weren't coached for this, so. I mean, I suppose it's, it's you know, you know, if you're going to err on the side of caution, secure the ball, but yes, know the rules is probably higher up on the list. But. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan Basher. But I guess going back to West Virginia, um, 2014 was fun because of Samaje Pirine, but overall 2014 is just a, it's, it's a gigantic blip on the radar in terms of OU football since the 2000s. I mean, at least 2005 and 2009 had reasons for them to be underwhelming eight and four seasons. 2014 really had no excuse. And other than Samaj P. Ryan, it wasn't too fun. But uh, anything fun about that game? Any experience? Or did you just want to jump right into 2016? Well, I mean, that game, if I recall correctly, that game was earlier in the season. I think that, that, was, game was, in, that game was in September. And I recall that um, uh, I actually had tickets to see a Pirates game the night before. We were flying in uh, Friday morning to Pittsburgh, and then Southwest screwed screwed something up maintenance-wise or something. So instead of going to, we were supposed to go to Baltimore and then on to Pittsburgh. We could only, you know, we could only get as far as Baltimore. They were not getting us to Pittsburgh on an airplane that day. Yeah. So blew my blew my uh, blew my uh, my Pirates tickets. And then had to rent a car in Baltimore and drive from Baltimore to Morgantown. So that sticks out about 2014 up there. Well, and that's great because now we can just go right into the 2016 game, which is the fun <laughs> one. Um, now, what I remember about this is, of course, OU, two losses already that year. They were undefeated in conference play. Um, but they were heading into a West Virginia matchup with a team with the Mountaineers that was fairly solid. They, they were extremely handicapped by their quarterback. I believe his name was Skyler Howard. There's so many Skylers at quarterback in this conference over the last few years. It's kind of hard to keep up with, but you know, it's a Skyler with an E or a Skyler with an A or yeah. Yeah. It, um, anyway, so West Virginia's offense, you know, they had some skill, nothing really at the quarterback position. Defense was fairly Okay. But the whole thing about that game was it was forecast was a blizzard and it's a big road game. It's at seven o'clock at night, West Virginia, Morgantown, everything like country road supposed to be blasting in the event of a West Virginia win. Um, it really seemed like if OU is finally going to lose to West Virginia, finally, since they've joined the conference, it's going to be in this environment. Right. And that was when it really became apparent that game. That's when it became really apparent that OU really doesn't like West Virginia. Like the foot, the team, for whatever reason, 
just have this attitude against the Mountaineers and they show it like they had a gigantic, not, not fight, not brawl, but just a whole bunch of hooting and hollering and posturing. And it was about as violent as the OU Texas pregame that got flagged for 15 yards. Uh, what was it? Two years ago, the Jalen hurts game. Uh, it was about as violent as that. So basically nothing happened, but it was basically OU saying you guys are not worthy to step on the field with us. And, Really, West Virginia has not been able to get that monkey off their back. It, it seems like they kind of believe it themselves. And you saw it in that game in the snow. D.D. Westbrook goes, I mean, he takes a screen, stiff arms a guy, and then runs 80 yards in the snow. And this is D.D. Westbrook. He's a speed guy. He's not a he's not a strong possession receiver type guy. Yeah. He's no, he's he stiff arm he stiff armed a guy and pulled away from a guy who had a hold of him. Yeah, and. From then on, it was just it was over, and I think West Virginia kind of made it interesting because the defense they made back it then, annoying. Yeah, they made oh, it annoying. Uh, the offense not being on the field for more than a second kind of leads to your defense being a little tired, giving up some plays here and there. But that game, it was either forty-two to nothing or forty-two to seven in the second quarter, and uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit were like, "Damn, this is over." <laughs> Yeah, I think that was the game where Jordan. I think Jordan Evans returned a pick for a touchdown on the first yeah. possession of the second half, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or late in the first half. I can't remember. Uh, and it only snowed. It only it's it really snowed hard early in the game, and then it stopped completely. And by the time the game was over, it was. I mean, it, well, well before the game was over, it had stopped snowing, and the field was cleared off. You know, well before then too. So, uh, but it was definitely it was coming down as hard as I've ever seen it come down at a game at the beginning of that game. Well, I can imagine, I mean, West Virginia, so it's mountainous. I mean, how cold is it truly? I mean, you, you, I've been in Colorado before when it's snowing or there's snow on the ground, but there's no wind and you can kind of walk outside in a hoodie and basketball shorts and be fine. Like really what it comes down to is the wind. So how sure. uncomfortable was it in that environment? It wasn't too bad. I mean, I came prepared, you know, we, we, we packed a, a full extra suitcase with all the heavy weather gear. So, I mean, I was fully geared up in a, like a snow, you know, a snowsuit, basically a thermal suit. And, you know, so I was, I was comfy. Uh, and, and, and as far as the cold goes, it wasn't too bad. I've been a lot colder in Manhattan, Kansas. I can tell you that um, because, you know, there's nothing between, there's nothing between the stadium in Manhattan, Kansas and the North pole. Um, but <laughs> up the prairie, I mean, it's just the wind comes from Canada there. So um it's, you know, and, and they say West Virginia is mountainous, but at least the part, at least the part where, uh, uh, at least the part where Morgantown is, it's more like, uh, it's more like Missouri. It's just kind of little bluffs and stuff. It's not really mountains there. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I hear now, what you're saying. Other parts I've only, I have literally only been to the part of West Virginia that's along the interstate from the Pennsylvania border to Morgantown. And, and in and around Morgantown. That's it. I've been to no other part of West Virginia. So that's all I know. And there aren't really anything that I would call mountains there. Now, uh, this weekend, we're driving in from the east. So we have to drive across a big chunk of West Virginia, I think. So we'll maybe we'll see some of the mountains then. But uh, haven't seen any so far, really. Just don't listen to John Denver, I guess. That might get old pretty quickly. Um, no, like I said last time, you know, John Denver, gas up the plane. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um, all right. I guess it that's not the coldest game you've been to. Is it one of the big 12 championships against Kansas state and Kansas? Oh city? yeah. I, I couldn't, there's been, I couldn't or, pick, pick out which one of those was the coldest, but it was probably one of those or Nebraska. I remember the Nebraska 06 big 12 title game was I, a bunch of buddies that I 
know that went to that game um, now, said that, that was I the was, coldest game they went to. I, I, you know, I, I could be, I mean, it's so hard. To, it's so subjective and it's affected by time and memory, but I recall being as cold as I've ever been at the 1993 Nebraska game, I believe it was. And that was in Lincoln. And it wasn't that cold, you know, absolutely. It was like, it was like 32, 33 degrees, which doesn't sound that bad, except it was raining hard all day. And, and I recall that being like super miserable. You know what? I'm now I have to pick a different game. Cause I was literally going to ask you about the 93 Nebraska game. <laughs> <laughs> 1993 is one of my more favorite obscure semi-successful OU seasons. You know how we kind of look at the 2013 season and like, man, that was such a fun year. And obviously it's a lot of it has to do with beating Notre Dame, beating Alabama, but in terms of seasons that didn't yield a, um, a Heisman Trophy winner or a, a national championship or even an appearance undefeated season. It's one of my more favorite uh, just teams to kind of research, obviously, because I was two and three years old, so I wasn't really around for it. But um, I was just going to ask you about 93 Nebraska because because um, I actually looked at it last night. I might I might get this wrong. One of those games in the early 90s against Nebraska was uh, like 31 to nothing. That wasn't that one, was it? Or was it? No, that one was, uh, I think, well, and I think I got my years mixed up. I think I was thinking of the 91 game, not the 93 game. Oh, okay. Because the 91 game, we were we were ahead the whole game and then ended up losing at the end. Um, and I don't think that's what happened in the, in the 93 game. Yeah, 93, Nebraska was second in the country, and OU lost 21 to 7. Right. And I don't know that I have any, I don't honestly know that I have any distinct memories of that one. It was just like the interesting thing about 93, OU goes, they go 9 and 3. Other than Nebraska, they lost to Kansas State 21 to 7 by the same score. They got fairly dominated by Colorado 27 to 10 but they destroy Texas. This was uh, Cale Gundy's senior year, and they had destroyed number five A&M at, at the beginning of the year in the second game of the year, like 44 to 14. So um, with OU just not being at the level that they were five, six, seven years prior under Barry Switzer, uh, just seeing that score 21 to seven um, against Nebraska at that time, it's just like, whoa. I mean, that game must have been close or Nebraska must have just fumbled around and screwed around and messed everything up and made the score look closer than what it was. But that was just basically my whole idea for that segment. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't have any great uh, I don't have any great memories of that game one way or another. I, I remember it was cold. Uh, I remember we lost. Um but that's all that really – nothing really sticks out in my head. There's nothing no, – no redeeming quality about that game that caused it to be memorable. <laughs> well, how about how about this? Um, how about this? What's the most memorable loss you've been to? Um, well, it's probably the, probably the Boise State game. Oh, man. Um, you know, because, I mean, I walked – you know, I was disappointed that – on the one hand, I was disappointed that we lost – but, you know, most people don't remember we were behind they, a, they were, they were favored. I don't know if they were favored. Maybe we were favored, but they were ranked higher than we were going. Into yeah. the game. They were, um, uh, and they were ahead virtually the entire game. We had to come from behind. Uh, we tied it up on a two point conversion that I think because of penalties, we tried three or four times. We tried it th three tied. times. And then, and then on the, I believe on the first play of the next possession, Marcus Walker picks them off and returns it for a touchdown. And we thought the game was over. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, what happened happened, but you know, we were honestly, the way that game had gone, we were fortunate to be, to be at the point of, you know, them being in a position to, to come back on us. Cause we've been coming back on them all night, but, but I walked out of there and I was disappointed that we lost, but then, you know, I was thinking, you know, that's a game that everybody's going to remember. And I'm, you know, as much as I hate that we lost, I was glad, I'm glad I was there. Cause it's one people are going to be talking about for years, but yeah, for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. No, I had just, I had lived in Mountain Home, Idaho for two years. That was the last place my dad was stationed in. And we moved to Norman after he retired about two months before that game. My first game back in Norman was the Iowa State game that Adrian Peterson broke his collarbone in. So, of course, his, I thought his I, I thought last I was game on Owen Field. Yeah, of course, I thought I was bad luck from that point on. But um, watching the Fiesta Bowl unfold and then how it ended. And then I had friends from Idaho that didn't know what football was that just knew me as like the kid from Oklahoma. That was a sooner freak uh, calling me and just talking all the shit. It, it wasn't fun. <laughs> it, it was an emotional roller coaster. Like I think they were up 28 to 10 at halftime. And so it was just a whole, but Malcolm Kelly got knocked out of the game. I think on our first drive on a, on a heave to the end zone by Paul Thompson and OU basically fought and clawed back and played like the better team in the second half, outplayed Boise State. And I think Boise State was a little shocked, like, oh, God, they're actually going to take this game seriously now. And, um, yeah, when Marcus Walker picked that thing off, it was oh. – <laughs> that's, that's a hard one to swallow. I, I can imagine in person it's probably a little bit more fun to remember – I, I would assume, but watching it at home was, on TV was just unbearable. Well, not, you know, like I said, I don't know. It's, I don't know how fun any of it was, but it, you know, it was what it was and it was, everybody remembers it. So. Unfortunately, um, I guess last thing before we get you out of here, Mr. Road Warrior, sir, 2018 OU West Virginia, a little bit more of a circus game. Will Greer versus Kyler Murray, uh, two great offenses, uh, West Virginia had a little bit higher expectations that season. They fell. I think they had lost some random game that we didn't expect them to lose, but they had beaten Texas in Austin to set up a, um, I, I think a de facto, whoever wins this plays in the big 12 championship game uh, against Texas. Um, that of course, oh, you got in by beating West Virginia and then they beat Texas. But this was the game that probably, I think for sure put Kyler Murray in the driver's seat for the Heisman trophy, just based on his performance. And I mean, we could talk about the 80 yard touchdown run he had early on in the game. We can talk about a handful of those touchdown passes he had to Marquise Brown uh, during the flow of the game. But to me, what made Kyler Murray special was that last fourth down conversion. If you can recall where um, the pockets... CD, CD lamb out to the left, took yeah. forever to forever for it to open up. Yeah, he waited he, and waited and waited. I think he drifted to the left. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then he hit him just past the marker uh, over on the left side. Yeah. No, I remember. And that, that sealed the game. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's just what makes Kyler Murray so special. And I, I hate to compare him to a, uh, a sophomore quarterback and Spencer Rattler making his 10th start this week. But that play, I mean, if Spencer Rattler's in that pocket, Spencer Rattler probably takes off and probably even picks up the first down because I think it was like a fourth and three or fourth and four. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It was me fourth and fourth and, you know, short medium. kind. Yeah. Of 
But that's what makes Kyler so special is he trusts the play and he knew that he had the athleticism that if everything broke down at the last second, he could take off and probably pick it up. But he trusted the play long enough and he trusted his receivers to know that C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown, one of these dudes is going to get open. And that's exactly what happened. And that's just another step that Spencer Rattler will probably more than likely take as his career goes on. But um, the funny thing about that game for me was just I was actually at a Thunder game covering uh, the team for the franchise. Um, it's the only time that I've ever had to be in person at a Thunder game covering it while an OU game was taking place because it was a Friday night game. And I can't remember anything about that Thunder game, but I just remember having the OU game on my phone right next to me and then going through all the locker room stuff after the game, going through all the press conferences and then running to the media room to go watch that fourth down conversion and just like, oh God, they, uh, they're back in the Big 12 championship game. Awesome. Yeah, and I think given the given the bizarre number font that uh, West Virginia was using at the time, I believe <laughs> that was a conversion on fourth and S. <laughs> that's a good that's a good call right there. Yeah, I don't. West Virginia went from having some pretty cool, simple jerseys to I don't know what they're doing now. Well, now they're more normal, but uh, but. Over the last few years, Holgerson was there. Nike, you know, invented a font for them. And their fives were, their fives looked like S's. And what they really were, I think, more than anything else, were like upside down and backwards twos. Uh, you know, but, and, and that's all well and good when you do it on the uniforms, but they used it on the scoreboard. Yeah. So, I mean, it would literally, you'd look at it, and if you didn't look really close, you oh, it's fourth and S. Okay, well... <laughs> We can pick up S, I guess. <laughs> what what play call do you need on third and S at this yeah, point? Exactly. And that, you know, the final score of that game, I think, was S9 to S7 or something like that. So, uh, Oh, yeah. That that was like a 59-57 <laughs> game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, oh, you had two defensive touchdowns in that mm-hmm. game. Um, I'll never forget Delarian Turner yell, bless his heart. Uh, that, I think he got thrown into the fire in that game um, as a f- true freshman. And he had an opportunity, I think, to basically ice the game. Uh, Will Greer just threw up a prayer, like a just a jump ball, and it fell right into DTY's hands, and he just straight dropped it. And about two minutes later, OU's back on offense because West Virginia eventually scored. Um, but they pan the camera over to the bench for OU, and DTY's just bawling on the bench because I think he understood, like, dang it, I could have ended this game and I'm 18 years old and I shouldn't be out there, but I am because of some piss poor coaching in the last few years, but that's a different story. Um, yeah. Well, and then, you know, that night we got two, two turn, two defensive touchdowns. And when we were alert, we were allergic to turnovers then. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting over that now finally, but um, you know, that was, that was also the game where the, the long run uh, there was a long run from uh uh, from West Virginia that went down to like our, you know, three or four yard line and got called back because a guy was blocking a defensive back all the way into the wall behind the bench. Oh yeah. And, and the skull had about lost his mind over it, but it was, a, it was a good call. Uh, but I can understand why he was, Holgerson was upset about it, but I don't care. I don't like him. Anyway. <laughs> I guess some final thoughts, I guess a little bit heading into this game. Um, look, West Virginia and the Big 12 is kind of weird. I mean, geographically speaking, I feel bad for them because their closest conference opponent is Ames, Iowa at at Iowa State. And that's that's still hundreds of miles, a thousand. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a 
I'm not a cartographer. I think it's like seven or 800 miles. Yeah, that's, that's not ideal. And then the brunt of their schedule is in Oklahoma and Texas when they're on the road. So it's just, it's not ideal, but I've always, maybe because when I was growing up as a college football fan, West Virginia, Pat White, um, Tavon Austin, even um, that running back whose name I can't remember, but he played for the, my favorite NFL team, played for the Dolphins for a while. Um, but they the like running back. The only running back of theirs besides Tavon Austin, who isn't a running back that I remember is Amos Zaraway, only because had, of that weird name. They had Noel Devine, who was like a gigantic recruit coming out of Miami um, in the mid 2000s. But he was he was OK. He wasn't what he he was hyped up to be by any means. But um, West Virginia is a program that I've always respected because I think they still have the they have the most wins of any program that hasn't won a national title. So they're basically like, OU basketball, where if OU just won the 88 title, they would be a, a foregone conclusion, top 20, top 25 basketball program year in and year out. If they just had that one championship, but well, or uh, even the O2 championship, you know, when the final four on the other side of the bracket, the two teams that we had already beaten handily uh, in the season, and then we lose to Indiana because Hollis price can't hit the broadside of a barn for some reason. Or <laughs> Yeah, um, when the Thunder signed or traded for Carmelo Anthony, uh, I'm sure I wasn't the first person to tell him this, but uh, when he came to media day and met with us in the media, um, I got a chance to just kind of talk to him, introduce myself. And I was like, by the way, you broke my 12, 13-year-old heart when you beat OU in the Sweet 16. And then, of course, just destroyed the rest of the Big 12 that year on your way to a national title. And kind of just smiled with his trademark Carmelo scowl and said, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I pissed off a lot of people here, but hopefully they like me. But yeah, I think, cause I think they beat, they beat us and then they beat Texas and then Kansas or Kansas and then Texas. If some, uh, yeah. Texas in the final four, I guess. Yeah. Oklahoma state lost to somebody else along the way. I think they kind of got far in the tournament as well. It was basically like the big 12s championship to lose and they somehow lost it. Yeah. Kansas had Collison and Kirk Heinrich on that team and, uh, yeah, wasn't a good day. What it wasn't fun, even Hollis Price had a broken hand. I think I even told Melo that I was like, Hollis Price was hurt. But I, I, not that this has anything to do with anything, but I remember being at the game in Memphis where we got beat by, uh, beat by Manhattan in the first round where, uh, uh, Hollis ended up with somebody's tooth embedded in his head or his hand. Ooh, I can't remember which. Ooh, yikes. I mean, the Kelvin Sanson teams might, may as well have just played football. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember being in St. Louis for the game where, where Nahara went, went chin to head with Mateen Cleaves and then he came back in the game later. Yeah. Uh, and is all it, of that. yeah. It is a different era. Player safety and health be damned. Because <laughs> yeah, I used to go to I used to go to all of our NCAA games every year when we were in the tournament, too. I haven't haven't done that in a while. I did the, the last final four year. I went to all the games up to the final up through the final four, but I haven't done it consistently. Buddy, he'll deserve better. Um, I guess your final thoughts on this game heading into it. Uh, I mean, anything that concerns you, I mean, Keegan and I on the Tuesday pod, we basically said in order for OU to have a really good chance of winning the big tall title, they need to come away from the West Virginia game, of course, winning it, but coming away from a standpoint of, all right, what they screwed up with with Baylor, they cleaned that up. There's still going to be some problems. It's a young team, but the offensive line cannot play like they did. And Spencer Rattler needs to hit easy, easy throws and make the offense move forward in times where it gets bogged down. So if they can do that, they'll, of course, beat West Virginia. Those are my thoughts. I'm just curious if you had anything in mind. Well, I mean, I think, I think you're going to see 
something more along the lines of what you would expect to see rather than what we saw last weekend. I think last weekend was a function of uh, the disruptions that they had gone through. Not a normal, uh, not, a, not a normal off week, shouldn't have been an off week, not a normal practice week. Uh, you know, Riley said that, you know, he, part of it was his fault because he didn't practice them hard enough coming off of all that. So I think you're going to see a lot of that corrected by just sort of getting back in the routine. Um, I, you know, I watched some of the West Virginia, Iowa state game, um, last Saturday. And, you know, it, it seems like West Virginia has, is, has sort of mailed it in for the rest of the year. So, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're playing the first place team in the conference and just got waxed. So, um, you know, yeah, they'll be at home, but it's 11 o'clock in the morning. If everybody, usually everybody there is drunk, but they're going to have to start early. It's only 25% capacity. Um, I, I, am, I am correct in that it's going to be warmer than it was last Saturday night because it's supposed to be 60 degrees in Morgantown. We're kicking off at 11 in the morning, so I may I may not even need a sweatshirt. Well, there you go. I mean, they're, they're going to need that moonshine to turn into sunshine if it's going to work out for them, so... But we'll see. We'll see. I'm expecting OU to go down there to take care of business. West, like you said, West Virginia is they're different at home than they are on the road. That's kind of been their their MO since they've been in the Big 12, unfortunately. But uh, it's definitely a game that OU needs to win and look good doing it. So hopefully that happens. And hopefully, Mr. Road Warrior, sir, you have a fun and safe trip. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you'll know how it went when you see the score, I guess. Yes. And it's uh, at on Twitter, it's at Road Warrior OU. I should have looked. I should have had this up at, on my... at OU Road Warrior. At OU Road Warrior. So for those, I did, I did go over a thousand followers during the game the other night. I was going to say I, I wasn't going to take credit for that whatsoever, but <laughs> you did reach a thousand after uh, jumping on the podcast. So it's you're only going up from here. Yeah, I've been hovering between nine fifty and a thousand for like six months. <laughs> Twitter followers are so important, but everybody. No, not really. <laughs> everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Road Warrior segment on the Inside OU podcast. Stay tuned. Uh, Keegan and I will be uh, live at Vanessa House Brewing Company in Oklahoma, downtown Oklahoma City, uh, like we always are, talking West Virginia matchups and God knows what else, probably making fun of the Big Ten, but stay tuned. We'll get right to you. We all know Oklahoma has a ton of underrated beauty to it. The rolling hills, the countrysides, the sunsets, and even our cities. If you're interested in decorating your home or place of business with evidence showing off the uniqueness of our state, give David Schweitzer a look. David is a talented photographer hailing from Calumet who has a passion for capturing everything Oklahoma has to offer. And don't take my word for it. Check out his website at www.oklahomabackroadexplorer.com and get in touch with him. I personally like the abandoned building prints. I'm into creepy stuff, but it also kind of reminds me of what Bob Stoops must have felt when he first stepped on campus in 1998. Again, that's oklahomabackroadexplorer.com or check out his Instagram page of the same name. Follow him on Instagram and like his stuff for us. We'll appreciate it. One of David's specialties is taking his photos and printing them on wooden cutouts of the state. It'd go really well with an upside-down longhorn skull in your living room. One more time, oklahomabackroadexplorer.com. Uh, hey, Andrew, tell us about the new Do It Live IPA. Do It Live. It's a new fruited IPA. It is a what's typically called a milkshake IPA. It's got vanilla, lactose, and raspberry in it. If you were a fan of Blast-Off sauce, you'll love the Do It Live. So this would be a bad time to tell you that I'm lactose intolerant and I'm 116th into this beer. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's... You'll make it. You'll be fine. Alcohol balances out. I don't know if that's science, but... 
State your name and occupation. This is Andrew uh, Corrales, co-owner of Vanessa Hell's Beer Company. Thank you, Andrew. Me neither. <laughs> let's just let it. Let's just let it go. Let it <laughs> just don't even say anything, because this week sucks. Sucked. <laughs> I just wanted to watch OU play football. It's a tough day. I wanted to watch. Oklahoma this. needed to play football. I wanted to watch my Sooners play. <laughs> it's not fair, Keegan. They needed to play football. How did Kirk Herbstreit go on TV and say that West Virginia just simply didn't want no smoke and and they were like they they cheated. They're all yo. From what I understand, positives. it's like they are dealing with people opting out as well so they're kind of throwing in the towel but kind of not if you know what i'm saying straight up pussies man oklahoma needed i'll say it again oklahoma needed to play football this yeah because they're gonna go into the iowa state game uh next saturday not this saturday because this is uh the inside ou podcast thursday show live from vanessa house beer company on 8th and Broadway in downtown Oklahoma City. And like Andrew said, I am uh, drinking a nice, nice new IPA called the Do It Live. It's lovely. Keegan, are you still doing your 89 lager? I am. I have an 89 lager, and it's as good as it usually is. Yeah, it's almost gone, which means you'll probably need another one, especially with this show that we're going to uh, bring to you Uh, all. I figured this might be a drunken podcast. Yeah, this this is a sad day. Um, But, yes, next Saturday. We have some breaking news here. What's the breaking news? Disney is bringing back the Mighty Ducks. Oh, go- oh yes. I love bringing back stuff because we don't have any new fresh ideas. I love that about society now. You're not going to hate on the Mighty Ducks right now, are you? Keegan, how old were you when the Mighty Ducks came out? Was I alive when the Mighty Ducks came out? I think I was. I think you were. I was young. Young, young. Yeah. It was okay. Emilio the Mighty Est- Ducks is not just okay. Emilio Est- I don't really like kids' movies. I didn't like kids' movies when I was That's a kid. It's not a kids' movie. It's a sports movie. It's a sports movie with kids in it. It's, it's a still kids not a movie. kids movie. So is the uh, the my baseball people that listen to this podcast are going to kill me for this with uh, Rosen Gardner, the, the the rookie, the rookie, yeah, the rookie of the year. So now is that I, considered a kids movie? Now you're assuming that I've seen a baseball movie. Oh, what baseball movies have I seen that aren't the Sandlot? You better Sand- have seen Bull Durham. I've never seen that. You never seen Bull Durham? I've the Sandlot is a kids movie, but it transcends like anything because it's the Sandlot. Um, I mean, even people who don't lo- like sports at all like the Sandlot. I've also seen. Uh, do you have HBO Max? I do not. Um, have you ever seen Sixty One? Yes. I like that. It's a good movie. Yeah, Barry Pepper's in it. He's Roger Maris, and then I can't remember who plays Mickey Mantle. From commerce, but let me let me get this straight. Did you just say that Mighty Ducks was just okay? I mean, I, I remember seeing it when I was a kid and being entertained by it. But then, then I grew up and just hadn't watched it again. I'm sorry for you, for you. I'm, I'm a boring person, Keegan. I'm not trying to sit here and say that it sucks. That's basically what you're saying, though. By not saying Mighty Ducks is good, you're saying that it sucks. And I hope that people that listen to this podcast agree with me. The listeners who listen to this podcast range, uh, it's a wide range of age groups. I'm sure. sure, I'm I'm assuming that a lot of people are probably like, Brady sucks once again with his opinions. But no, 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 no. Going back to the task at hand, OU's going to go into the Big 12 title game next Saturday, playing two games in the previous 27 days. 
So Oklahoma State was played on a Saturday, and then 27 days later, Oklahoma will be getting ready for their second football game, which is the Big 12 title game against a team that has already beaten them in Iowa State, and that is certainly trending in the proper direction. Iowa State is also not playing this week, but they're just now coming off of – this is a, a bye week for them. A scheduled one. This is a scheduled bye week. Everything's a, a go a scheduled bye week for Oklahoma. And I put this out on Twitter, Keegan. We all kind of said and suggested going into this year that if there was ever a season where Oklahoma finally gets knocked off of the Big 12 pedestal, it's this year. And that, not even including the whole pandemic thing, which of course throws a monkey wrench into football activities, but new, young quarterback, inexperienced. He's not a transfer, so he's not experienced. Um, Brand new skill position guys. You're still working in year two of Alex Grinch's defensive system, trying to bring in some new guys. Kenneth Murray's gone. Neville Gallimore's gone. There were a lot of questions that we talked about over and over and over in the months of the summer going into the season. So, of course, like, yeah, if, this, if it's going to happen, it would happen this year because then you throw in the pandemic stuff. And now with Iowa State, Iowa State gets Oklahoma early in the year, an inexperienced OU team coming off of a loss to Kansas State, in their first road game, Iowa State barely ekes by, and then Iowa State gets to get Oklahoma during the end of their season when they have nothing going on. 27 days, two games, it's just, it's just not going to work, man. It's so, I'm not saying OU's going to lose. I'm just saying it is. if you're sitting there projecting the Big 12 championship game in OU's favor, I, I, you're kind of silly. You just are kind of silly. There, it's a weird position to be in as well, just because, like you mentioned, the two games and twenty-seven days aspect of it. But like, they just didn't play well in their last game. Like, they had a bunch of flaws, a bunch of middle mistakes, missed assignments along the offensive line, and like, they they could have used a game this week to kind of correct those things. Heading into a, a, a week where. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a de- defense that's known for its discipline, a, a team that's known for its discipline, like, and, and a team that's already through their season. They weren't preparing for anybody this week, so they are kind of ahead of Oklahoma. So it'll be, you know, it, it, it's one of those things this, this week and this game why it was so important was just to kind of knock off the rust um, that Oklahoma sort of built up from having the five days off. But, yeah, crazy uh, – this thing came together quick. I know we kind of went through the timeline the last time this happened. I can just – I know last night it really st- – talk really started to ramp up yesterday afternoon. I kind of – West Virginia had 50 available players, Brady. That's not enough to play a football game. No, especially – I mean – I mean, I said it to my girlfriend. I was like, they have 50 available players. And she said, well, isn't isn't that enough? Well, it comes down to of the players that are available, how, how much of the players that aren't available make up your – too deep how much of them make up a certain position group so while that's enough players to technically play football uh i'm assuming that i'm assuming that west virginia is just hurting with either the o-line the d-line or the quarterback position because that's what it really comes down to and i think uh did you want to go ahead and say what you told me right before we started recording about other problems west virginia is maybe dealing with terms of opt-out oh I, I didn't know if that was while we were recording yeah it sounds like they have west virginia had a bunch of people that were opting out so maybe we wouldn't have seen the stills brothers or tony fields or letty brown or 
any of their best best players available either anyways so let it let it be known i hope everybody's okay on the west virginia football team let i was gonna get another beer oh okay let it be known i hope everybody on the west virginia football team is okay like i'm not mad that they're catching a virus I'm just simply mad that, dang it, I don't get to watch football on Saturday. I'm not mad at West Virginia. I'm not saying that they're ducking anything. I'm not saying anything terrible. I just hope everybody's okay because that's the more important thing. But um, it, the, the shame is, of course, yes, it was a rather meaningless game. OU's already locked into the Big 12 championship game. The whole thing with Iowa State is the important thing. Traveling to Morgantown during a pandemic – Already with West Virginia last week dealing with some extra positives going into the Iowa State game for themselves. Sure, it seemed like not only is this game meaningless, it might be unnecessary and you're taking an unnecessary risk. And then plus, if the game is played, well, then you increase the risk that a Spencer Rattler has a turned ankle or somebody else gets hurt. But like you've suggested, like I've said, they needed to play this game after what we saw against Baylor, but I guess the only thing that you can cling to in terms of optimism is hopefully whatever rhythm that they lost in that week and a half going into the Baylor game because of their COVID outbreak, hopefully they can recapture some of it just by simply having normal practices. Because Lincoln Riley already said they're not going to look for anybody to, to play, unfortunately, even though Ohio State's available. Ohio you, State could have scheduled Ohio State, Brady. You know, Tulsa's not doing anything. Uh, Oklahoma State Tulsa. also canceled their game. Uh, not Tol- yet. Big 12 has not officially canceled that game. Okay. I think Dylan Buckingham said that he had somebody tell him or that there's a strong possibility that it's going to be canceled. And I just kind of read that as OSU is just, once again, little brother, just doing whatever big brother does just to appear cool. I mean, it's not Oklahoma State's You fault. You actually just, I mean, if you can pull it up again, rattle off the Saturday slate. Because every game you mentioned, I was like, boring, boring, boring. I'll probably end it's, up just watching Netflix is, on Saturday. It is a boring slate. I think the, Pac- the biggest <laughs> game is North Carolina and Miami. <laughs> North Carolina's going to kick their ass, man. Miami's a fraud. No, the Pac-12 is like, don't worry, guys. We'll save the day. And then you just hear crickets. Like, no one, no one cares. No well, one they cares. should just go ahead and not even play the Big Ten championship game next week and just go ahead and give that to Ohio State, too, you know? Th- that's what they really should. If the Big Ten decided, okay, let's just not have a Big Ten championship game and just call it. Yep, but then every team can be eligible for the college football playoff if they if the committee deems them worthy. They all that watch the tape. Joe Stiglione <laughs> spends twenty four hours a week watching tape. He has to. He spends that's required twenty four hours a week watching film. Yeah, that's Joey Galloway's an idiot. All right, here is your big football games from for Saturday, Mister Brady Trantham. At 11 a.m. on the SC Network, you will have a title bout matchup between the Georgia Bulldogs and Missouri Tigers. You have Yawn. Michigan State and Penn State will be on ABC at 11 a.m. Yawn. At 2.30 on ABC, you will have a big matchup between the Miami Hurricanes and the North Carolina Tar Heels. I will probably watch that one. On FS1 at 2.30, you have a big, big, big matchup between Wisconsin and Iowa. I've y- never yawned harder in my life. 
and this one that just got canceled, Washington and Oregon. I would have yawned, but it's been canceled. LSU and Florida kick off at 6 o'clock on ESPN. LSU is on a self-imposed uh, post oh, bowl ban. So yeah. uh, credit to them for taking the classy move. Yes, how many absolutely. Games, how many games have they won? They are 3-5. and five. Hmm. I'm going to impose a I'm, – I'm going to get married to Jessica Chastain ban. And this game does intrigue me because Chip Kelly's Bruins are playing a little bit better, but at 6.30 on ABC you have USC – taking on UCLA on the road in the Rose Bowl. Tough environment to play in. Zero fans. Yep, it's going to be Miami, North Carolina. and San Diego State, BYU, it can intrigue you. Cal and Washington State. Isn't San State. Diego State undefeated? They, they played are 4-3. Like, and three. Oh, they're 4. Which one? BYU is 9-1. Is, is it San Jose State that's one of those sands are undefeated? So, out. you know what's funny is BYU scheduled a game in 72 hours, but Oklahoma couldn't. What's Oklahoma scared of, Brady? I don't know if they're scared of anything. I mean, I'm afraid of spiders. I'm, I, I said that with a smile on my face, sarcasm. What a week. I, like, I think you know the biggest Let thing coming into tonight that yes. I was wanting to ask you about was that <laughs> feel, f- feel free to talk. This is, a, this is a free country, I believe, still. I, you guys and your responses on Twitter.com always crack me up. Um, oh, I know. You threw me under the bus while we were recording. Oh, I did That'll not. be addressed at a later time. Th- oh, okay. I'm nothing but respectful to you on the Twitter. Oh. How am I not respectful? You're respectful. <laughs> In your own way. Uh, no, I, I just wanted to say, like, yeah. it's crazy to think that, well, Brady... Season's over. All right, let's get report cards out. Let's get it all. Let's get it all wrapped it up. Let's get it done. And it's like it's kind of wild to think that you know the season's over. The regular <laughs> season is. And Lincoln Riley won't win double-digit games, man. Oklahoma went seven and two. I would say one of like in terms of a non-championship year, this is up there with 2013, probably in terms of just impressiveness of the turnaround, and I think that's where I'm just kind of at right now? No. No. I, I don't know. I, I think I might have told you this, Keegan, like just a kind of a throwaway comment in some preseason podcast where the whole discussion was still up in the air of whether football was going to be played in the fall. And if we all remember, Lincoln Riley was one of the few voices, one of the few voices of promise. He was on board. He was an inside OU listener. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not opposed to moving the game to the or moving the season to the spring." And look, I know that there are pitfalls with that. There are consequences to moving the the season into the spring, but there are also consequences to playing this damn thing in the fall. And we are now living through it. Now, albeit, I would say that this season has gone much more successful than I anticipated. I thought at one point the season was just going to be straight called. I thought worse things were going to happen. I thought, God forbid, players, coaches might have gotten so sick that they would have required medical attention. And that was the last thing I wanted to occur. And thankfully, as far as I can tell, nothing like that's happened, at least with bigger schools. I, I don't, I'm not that privy about D2, D3 stuff, but hopefully those players, those coaches have been able to play safely as well. But these are the consequences that we understood. If you're going to play in the fall, this is going to happen. And one of the the lowest end of the totem pole of the consequences, Keegan, is something like this. Oh, okay, well, Lincoln Riley can't win 
double-digit games this season. And obviously there is In a the re- streak. Put there, him on the hot seat. Obviously there is a reason for that. Now, he had the possibility to win double-digit games. He could have – his team could have beaten either Kansas State or Iowa State, or he, they could have beaten both of them, and they would have ten wins by now. Right? No, they would have nine. They could have won their tenth game. I'm not a mathematician. This is a football podcast. So – like stuff like that kind of matters to me because I'm a history nerd and I, I like going through seasons. I like comparing players and coaches and eras, even though it's kind of a silly thing. But stuff like this matters to me. And if OU beats Iowa State and they win their bowl game and they're nine and two, I'm not going to look at that as like, oh, it was a nine and two, nine and three, nine nine and three type season. What 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 a terrible year that was for OU standards. No, it's you're going to look at it as a ten and two, eleven and two season as if it were a normal normal year where OU wins the Big 12 and doesn't make the playoff. Like, that's fine, but I don't know. Like, things like that matter to me, especially when we get into the offseason and there's nothing else to do but kind of look at numbers and look at records and past stuff. So, um, it's a low end on the totem pole, like I said, but when games get postponed and mo- and then canceled ultimately, you just kind of think, what is there to talk about other than the West Virginia game was simply not meant to be played? You want to break down the West Virginia game? Is that what we're doing still? <laughs> well, this is the earliest. <laughs> uh, this is I, I guarantee you this will be the earliest OU podcast that breaks down the Big 12 championship game. Baby. Because we're doing Maybe. it. Yeah, we're doing it live. I'm almost done with my do it live, which is, look, I'm not an IPA man whatsoever. Well, this is you good. tried to get me a whatever you had me to drink last time, the dark beer that I wasn't a fan of. I think it's for the older generation, which includes th- Brady Trantham. You think stouts are for older people? He's a boomer. No, I'm a I'm literally a millennial. No, no. Yep. I would. Hmm. Actually, real quick before we get any further, shout out to the Road Warrior. There is a good news to his story because we recorded what you just heard at the beginning of this show yesterday when the game was still on. Uh, I, I contacted the Road Warrior. He got his money back. So he is missing out on a lovely trip to Morgantown, but he got his money back, so don't worry too much about him. He's going to be fine. But Keegan, I'm not old. I'm old, but I'm not that you're old. An, you're an old. You're, you're kind of you're old. I like old music. You're old school. I am? Minded, yeah. In what way? I don't know. I don't. You're, you have a take, but you don't have any evidence to support a, your take. A, that's often, Brady. You know this. Yeah, that's true. How's Sam Ellinger's legacy going right now? See, that's such a low, like, on the totem pole of things you could go after. But, see, that's the thing. Is like, well, let's talk I about ate that. I ate that. I ate that take like a champ. I haven't deleted a thing. Well, let's talk about Sam Ellinger because there's nothing else to talk about. Well, Matt Campbell, or who Chris Kleiman thinks he's the best quarterback in the Big 12, you see that? Well, I mean, I guess I don't blame him for thinking that. Sam Ellinger's team dropped six, he 69 points on him. He said it the game, too. I disagree with that. Him, that is spoken like a coach who understands I'm not going to get to play Spencer Rattler again because I'm going to take another job. I don't know if Kleiman will. Campbell he, he takes will. The, he takes the Michigan job, and then OU plays Michigan in like, the Campbell, playoff. Yeah, who does Campbell play? Campbell Campbell goes to Michigan, and then Kleiman's left for – Wasn't there a report that Matt Campbell said that he'd really only leave for Notre Dame or Ohio State? Yo, that was, makes Dennis, sense to me. that was Dennis Dodd. You're going to take, take what Dennis Dodd says more than a grain of salt? 
By the way, there's some modeling going on at Vanessa House right now, so there are uh, two lovely They're people. modeling me and you. Uh, yeah, w- someone took a picture of us. I don't know why. Yeah. We're, we're, just, we're just sitting here with microphones in our hands. We're just random people talking into microphones. Well, you're Big J. Like, people know who you are. No. See, and then you go there. Why do you always go there? But you are, Keegan. That's not an insult. Nah. Do you, don't you want to be Big J? Isn't that what you signed up for? I mean... If we were doing Thunder stuff, then I guess I could be Big J, but I'm not. I'm just, I'd say I'm we're, both a lowly little, we're, a little, we're both Little J. I'm not Big J. If I was Big J, I would have broke the news because I had it first last night. Well, I'd, I'd say that my J is bigger than you, yours. You also told me to break the news, and I didn't break the news. Yeah, you texted me last night saying, let's – hold on. Let me read – let me read the texticle messages that you sent me that were... I'm not kidding. I was literally falling asleep. Yesterday, 11.19 p.m., OU's game in Jeopardy. And I said, put up a post on Patreon. And you said, nah, not confirmed yet. And then I said, how is Sam Ellinger's legacy? And then you said, ha, 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 ha. That's not how the text messages went. I didn't ask you about Sam Ellinger. No. 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 You have people have that they can go at me with. They can't come at me for the Jalen Hurts. Oh shit! Here we go again. Well, he is again. a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know. See, I never said that he wouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But all, everything that you said about him greatly implied that you would have, if you would have been straight up asked, "Can he be a starting quarterback in the NFL?" You'd have been like, <laughs> "No." If he could have been a franchise quarterback in the NFL, no, he still can't. He just. Was he just benched a franchise quarterback? He did do that. He did do that. But that's more because Carson Wentz has been terrible, terrible. He needs to go back from whence he came, which I guess is North Dakota, with Chris Kleiman. It all comes full circle. Is Skyler Thompson? Is it Skyler Thompson or Skyler As, Howard? Hey, if if Lincoln Riley goes into the NFL, he has at least one team in the NFL that Skyler Thompson could beat. And who's that? The team we ever Lincoln Riley's coaching. <sighs> He's not beating Lincoln Riley's defense. Lincoln Riley is the offensive coordinator. Oh, uh, so it was Grinch's fault. It is Alex Grinch's fault. Yeah, Alex Grinch cannot figure the Chris number out. twenty-one SP plus defense in the country. By the way, it's because they only played Kansas State once. Ooh, that Thank is true. God. Thank God. Yeah, and another thing too. This is already being brought up, Brady, and I want to prepare yourself for this. Yes. People are of the opinion that Iowa State took it to Oklahoma up in Ames. And that Spencer Rattler was a big part of the problem in that game. Well, if I recall correctly with our postgame thoughts and then even our memories since then, because that was a long time ago, and both Iowa State, I would say, has gotten better since that game and Oklahoma has definitely gotten better since that game. Uh, Spencer Rattler probably has gotten better more so than Iowa State and Oklahoma combined because he is a completely different quarterback. But even having said that, Spencer Rattler was pretty damn good that night. He, he was, was pretty excellent. damn good that night. He was better that night than he's been the uh, last two games for Oklahoma. He was much better that night than he was against Kansas State, even in the first half. Yeah, I 1,000% agree. Yeah, even when OU had a 28-7 to lead, Spencer Rattler was not playing a good game that day. It was fairly pedestrian, not just for OU standards, but just for the standards of a team that would be up 28-7. to It's like OU is just up because they're the more talented team. Spencer Rattler is 
He's slinging it all over the place. He's taking some risks, which is which are fine. You know, like OU has the skill to take those risks. But he threw that terrible interception on that fly route to uh, Marvin Mims. Um, he had a ball tipped at this line of scrimmage, which I know is technically the quarterback's fault. Him being six feet tall yeah, doesn't help. Yeah, that was on Hayes. But it was either Hayes or Creed Humphrey literally lifted his man up into the air. Well, Hayes didn't go block anybody, if you remember. Yeah. Um, and I, he's played like – I he's play, he played better that nine names, and I said the second ago, than he's done the last two games. Yeah, and Ob- I truly feel that way. Obi Obialo didn't help him whatsoever, and I don't remember. Mm, he it. did not. I don't recall if he's played since then. He dropped two touchdown passes that were legitimate NFL throws. One he dropped really one. The other one he should have been. It should have been a touchdown. I guess so. And when, if you remember, go back and looking at yeah, it. Yeah. Um, no, it's an interest. It's in like he even had a forty-yard run that was called back by a hold by Tyrese Robinson, who of the offensive lineman is the one who struggles with drive-killing penalties. Who still isn't taking huge strides. He did there for a little bit. Um, I I'm not. See, that's the that's one of the that's one of the big th- pitfalls with this game being canceled on Saturday. Is I really wanted to see if that. Offensive line performance against Baylor was that all because Dave Aranda is a defensive genius, and he's exposing what Oklahoma's offensive line is, or was it simply because Oklahoma had two weeks of just no, nothing to prepare for Baylor? That, that, that was the last thing on their minds. They were trying to get COVID under control. They're trying to make sure that their players and coaches were fine and healthy. And they were trying to get guys back as quickly as possible so that they could play the damn game. I think there was a lot to what Baylor like. It's clearly that it's clear that Oklahoma needs to be mentally prepared like a hundred percent for a game. Like, go look at the Kansas State game and go look at the Iowa State game a little bit, like where they have assignment issues, right? Whether it's on defense or whether it's on offense, like they had those issues against Baylor. Like, this is a group that has to be in sync. If they're not in sync, it's really tough. And I know that's for all of football. But for a, a tie, an offense that timing is so important, an offense where the quarterback needs to know where his guys are at is so important, and an offense that needs to run the football, it's so important that these guys are all on the, all on the same page. And it just didn't seem like they were against Baylor. I think there's an offensive line that would have bounced back. We talked about this on Tuesday. It would have bounced back just fine against, and against West Virginia. against a good test too with their front two. seven. Yeah, absolutely. I think Marquise Hayes would have welcomed that test. I yes. don't. Um, I think Creed Humphrey would as well. So it would have been good from. It would have been very good for Adrian Neely. Did you know that, that was that was that was by far probably his worst game as a Sooner. Did you know that one of uh, Iowa State's defensive linemen, not named Jaquan Bailey, is like a top of the Big Twelve in sacks? It doesn't surprise me. I was I was shocked by that. That I I, I don't know what position he plays, but I believe he has eight and a half. Um, I can't count that high. I'll be honest. That is true. Um. But uh, but it's an it's an interesting game. I think, like Iowa State's like the coaching disparity in that game compared to what it would have been on this Saturday, and what it's been you know since really the Iowa State game the first time, like it's pretty even. They're both coordinators, John Heacock against Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch against Matt Campbell, and there and um, Seal Chase or Shield Chase, whatever his offensive coordinator name is. Um, so that matchup's pretty even. It's just it's just a it, it it's like. It's the perfect game. Like, OU Baylor was perfect. Like, we knew that game was going to be physical as hell in the Big 12 championship game. We knew both defenses were going to be really good. Um, and it should be the same way for a Big 12 championship game in 2020, which is great for the conference. 
Um, which I guess all they had to do was become a lot worse offensively and much better defensively to get respect nationally. Yeah. Which is funny how that works out. I had somebody in my mentions, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're wrong, silly, whatever, so for, ha- for having this opinion, but um, I guess there is some sentiment amongst OU fans that what this game cancellation ultimately does, because I feel like these fans that I'm about to describe – feel like that OU is just going to beat Iowa State. But they feel like that the game being canceled against West Virginia, whatever small hope OU had of getting into the playoff is dead now. Yeah. And I guess it's technically true because I um, I was filling in for uh, Eddie Radosovich on the morning show. Where's he at? Uh, he's on vacation. I don't know if I can tell you. Disclose that information. Uh, okay. Uh, he's on vacation. I he was kind of like in trouble there for a Oh, sec. no, no, no. He's he's safe and sound. He's just having – Or I mean, Todd said it on the radio. He's in Colorado skiing. Oh. He, he, he is Rocky Mountain High. So he's ta- – probably, that's probably true. Probably. Um, we love Eddie Rodosovich. Um So Eddie's taking vacations during the season? It's a good thing th- it's not to Italy. I think he was uh, taking vacations – Originally during OU's bye week, I think he had originally uh, scheduled that. So I mean, that's of course not his fault. Yes, that OU was actually, but it's not like he he can't can't do his job over the computer because that's what uh, journalism is in 2020. Oh yeah, it's all from your computer. For instance, I'm going to go to Thunder games, you know, as a media member, and there are going to be about 15 to 20 media members, you know. I don't know how they're going to seat us, but there's going to be no fans. So if you think about players, so there's 15 men on each roster, so there's 30 players. There are a handful of coaches, so let's say like 42 players, coaches, and some staff, trainers. So about 50 to 60 players, coaches, staff, whatever, 15 media members. There's basically going to be less than 100 people in Chesapeake Energy Arena for Thunder Games. I don't really understand what the point is other than I'm here, I'm thankful. They should just play the game at the uh, Integris <laughs> training facility. Because at the end of the day, we can't mingle pregame, and we also can't talk to the players in the locker room, of course, after the game or the coaches. Has Rudy, is gonna Rudy Gobert going to get COVID yet? Has, does he have it? Do we know? Can he just stay somewhere forever <laughs> and never leave that place? I mean, not something terrible, but just, you know, go – Go stand on that beautiful island over there with plenty of food and water and electricity, and then just stay over there. Thank you. But anyways, like the whole point is, we can do this job from anywhere. Oh so, yeah. So Eddie's so Eddie's good. But um, going back to what I was originally going to say, thank God I haven't forgotten that thought because I'm almost done with this wonderful IPA. But Todd laid out an interesting scenario to me. If OU, you know, takes care of business against West Virginia and then they beat Iowa State soundly, you know, like a 10, 17-point victory, which is on the table, could be on the table. I think we both think OU is the better team. Will they win? That's a different story, but we definitely think that we're they are the better team. So if those two things happen, well, they're going to jump Miami. Yeah. Well, they're going to jump Georgia. Maybe. Iowa State's already jumped Cincinnati, so that should show all of us that the committee does not respect Cincinnati that much. So a Big 12 champion, especially a Big 12 champion named Oklahoma, would jump Cincinnati. And then you get into, well, you would obviously jump Iowa State. So then you get into the Texas A&M territory, and you get into the Florida territory, 
Well, Florida is going to lose. I know you think that they're going to win, or I know you think it's going to be a close game, but for the sake of the argument, calm down. Put down the Florida pom-poms. Put it down. Thank you. Brady. Thank you. Put it down. Brady. Florida loses, they and Texas win. A&M is just sitting at home doing yes. nothing. And Todd just posed it as, why wouldn't OU jump them? Why wouldn't OU jump from 11 all the way to 4 in that scenario? And I really couldn't tell him a legitimate reason other than I just personally believe that a two-loss team should not be in the playoff. Yeah, no, I and I think that they weigh – we've seen how much the, this, this committee weighs conference championships. Yes, it's that's Im- true. It's important. They uh, say one thing literally before championship week, and then championship week happens, and then boom, it's completely different. Yeah. So I think it is setting up in that way. I think, you know, the scenario that gets you in, the problem now, though, is that Ohio State's going to get in. Um, so that leaves at least ACC, SEC winner in Ohio State. So there's going to be one more game, one more team that makes it. If Florida loses, they're out. And then it's, um, you know, it, it it's, you know, a one-loss A&M and a two-loss Oklahoma. Like, it's – it's going to be an interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting debate, that's for sure. And then at the end of the day, though, both like if Alabama beats Florida and Notre Dame beats Clemson, right? That's the scenario that gets you in. You don't have to zoom in. You just take a normal picture. You know, if if you know Notre Dame wins, Alabama wins, that knocks Clemson and Florida out. Ohio State's in, so three teams. So then you are down between OU and A and M and Cincinnati. And to your point, like that would be a good, you know, situation. But I would still think they would take A and M. Like, they clearly think A and M's a better team by the eye. You know, golly, that's, the name's escaping me. What I'm supposed to be saying the uh, eye eye test. So it wouldn't shock me at all that Oklahoma's in a situation where they are in a conversation on Sunday. It's going to take Notre Dame being Clemson, though. I'm not sure that happens. But I would totally root for Notre Dame. Like we should all be rooting for Clemson and Florida to win. Because in that scenario, Ohio State's out. And that's the perfect scenario of scenarios. This is a scenario where Ohio State is not playing in a playoff. Well, they're going to. And if Florida, if Florida beats Alabama and Clemson beats Notre Dame, Ohio State's not getting in. So you think Notre Dame would just come back in? Yeah, they've already beaten Clemson. They'd have the best one. Yeah, well, I could see where the committee could say, well, yeah, they beat Clemson, but they beat them without Trevor Lawrence. I think we talked about that on yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, sure, but they as also much as as much as the committee would love to have Notre Dame in the com- in the playoff. I just feel like, which one do you want? Do you Florida, want Ohio State, Florida, Clemson, and Notre Dame, Alabama would be ratings bonanza. Florida, Clemson would not be ratings bonanza. What you don't you, think? What are you talking about? You don't think? OU Clemson wasn't even ratings bonanza, and that had Oklahoma. Well, in but the that game. was that was back whenever they had uh, on they had on New Year's Eve. They had the playoff on New Year's Eve, which didn't do as good of ratings. That that did, of course, play a part, yes. Yeah. Um, Florida-Clemson, I think, would be huge. It's, for, that's way too heavil, heavily regional. That is well, what, I think that's kind of what I'm thinking here, is that they'll try to get it as good of ratings as possible. Like, OU-A&M, like, OU-Florida or OU-Indiana would be a bigger game. OU-A&M, like, as a cotton bowl, would be heavily regional, too. Like, it, it would be a big game for us. Florida-Clemson, for you and me, would be a big game, because we'd be down to watch that. But sure. In terms of big ratings, national, like I, I just don't see it for that. Like Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, and USC. Those are your five blue bloods. 
yeah, and look since I got since I got dragged into conversation about that this and, week. And I guess you know, going back to the whole original thing, that's I guess the biggest loss of not playing West Virginia is that extra data point is no longer no use hands. I think OU would have taken care of business, and in this, comes, I think so too. And this comes full circle here with this whole conversation. It, it all comes down to this in the next four games or next two next game for Oklahoma. It would have been for the next two. If Nick Benito's back, is who is blocking number seven, number eleven, number ninety five, and number eight? Like it's so hard to, it's so easy to overthink this, and I've been a person that has overthought a game in twenty twenty already in the TCU game. But you can't overthink this anymore. I mean, Iowa State did not keep Nick Manito or Isaiah Thomas out of the backfield up in Ames. They just didn't. Like, the sack total may not have been there, but they were getting after him. Like, they were getting after him in a big way. So it, it's they're going to be able to affect what Brock Purdy does offensively. They're, it, it, I'm not saying it's going to be Baylor, Big 12 Championship game bad like it was last year or it's going to be like any of these prior games for Oklahoma's defensive line. However, there's Iowa State's going to have legit problems blocking them. Like that uh, as will, you know, maybe A&M whenever they play them in a, in a in a bowl game, you know, whenever it comes down to it. So yeah, it's Oklahoma's in in a situation uh, a similar one, but it's different and I think this is a great time to talk about this not that the season is over. Oklahoma may have a defense Brady. And not just a defense for 2020, not just a defense for 2021, but a defense from now until Alex Grancher, whenever his tree is gone, is going to at least have the right-minded culture. Wait a minute, his Christmas tree? Well, if depending on who you're t- who you read well, right now, I, I don't know if Alex Grancher is a is a practicing Christian. I don't know if he. I don't know if he celebrates Christmas. He hates the nickname when everybody makes Grinch jokes. He hates that. I can tell you that. I mean, I fucking hate Brady Bunch jokes when I was in elementary school. So I can only imagine what Alex was going through as a child. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't. I I would never make that joke. I call it. I want it to be. I want the world to know in the original, original group chat on Twitter where that's where I first met you in the original one. Yes. I was the one who called you Keegs first. K-E-E-G-Z. I called you that first. I said, thanks, Keegs, all the time. And our lovely friend who uh, graced us, us with his presence on Tuesday in the media corner, Kamiar Morabian, he calls you that all the time now. So what are you saying? You're a trendsetter? I am. You are. You are a trendsetter. I have like a... You have the best hair rated by in the Oklahoma City Metro. Uh, yeah, like... That is a thing. There was no recount necessary, but even if there was, uh, it would have been conclusive. There was no collusion, no fraud, and God love him, but as soon as the results came in, Tyler Palmatier couldn't have been out of Oklahoma fast enough. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Tyler. I miss you. Man, bye weeks suck. Another bye week. Um... It's an interesting place. I think, like, wasn't uh, <coughs> did not, get a, yes. not get a mail for the Lincoln Riley Zoom call today. But uh, oh, how? What are you doing, to my boy Keegan over here? I know. Like he, I walked into. I don't. Van- I walked news. into. Van- I walked into Vanessa House and Keegan had like all black on. He's wearing some black goth makeup. So he's he's fe- he's in his emotions right now. He's listening to Panic at the Disco. Come on, come on, Mike. <laughs> Send send my boy the email. It's okay. 
You can send it late. You can like, oh, my bad. That's my bad. No. It's it's been that way since the uh, middle part of the year. Do you want me to have Randy text him? No. Because I think uh, there's been some direction there back in the day. (gasps) No direction. Of. That's an interesting band. Going to knock this table over? Is that your plan? Oh, yeah. I'm uh, mad. I am mad. I am mad, mad online. <laughs> no, they uh, – n- and again, it's it's an interesting position that Oklahoma's in because you have, you have signing day coming up. Um, with recruiting, you have all the, you know these five stars. All, yeah, you have these potential five stars, um, and I'm sure we'll get, get a, be getting into that in a sec to wrap up the podcast. But Oklahoma's in such an interesting position. Like, they just should not be a Big 12 champion this year. Like, they just shouldn't be. They're not talented enough, um, you know, across the board to be able to do that. Um, but they are. And it's a credit to Lincoln Riley. It's a credit to these players. And it sets a great, you know, message forward that Oklahoma, regardless of kind of the situation they're in, that the culture that the, it's instilled in this program and the mindset that they have is, is something that can carry them. And – uh, you know, whenever you're talking about Oklahoma and e- even in recruiting, you know, I asked Alex Grinch this week that, you know, how tough has it been to gauge and tough to get, you know, for your evaluations, this and that, but how do you not have full trust in what these guys are doing right now? Like, the way these guys are recruiting, the way they're evaluating their ability to develop talent, like, look at DJ Graham this year, look at the development of David Aguebu and middle linebacker. So, yeah, these guys are all this this program's heading in a direction that like by the time 2025 is done and, and this conference, you know, Oklahoma's maybe going a different way with, you know, this conference that they're going to be in a great position. And um, you know, the recruiting is going to be at a high level. Uh, clearly the coaching development's going to be at a high level. I'm sure Lincoln Riley or Alex Grinch, one of the two or both may not be at Oklahoma at that point. But yeah, it's it, it's a game or it's a you know, s- place that Oklahoma is used to being in, but it's also a, a different era as well. Just because you're talking about a, a program that's recruiting at, at a level that is, they're going to be able to continue to get better and get better and get better. And 2020 was n- just an indictment of that. They, they just, and you know, some of the things I was just saying, Brady, is that Oklahoma from a talent perspective in the year 2020 is probably not good enough most years to win the big 12. And, but they're able to do it, and the culture is what t- it's taken them, and the way they're recruiting, and the way they've evaluated and developed players. Like, look at DJ Graham. I know I said this a second ago, but like, the fact that he is getting playing time as a, a major contributor for this defense in 2020, like Roy Manning has never coached corners before, so they've got a great staff. Um, clearly, losing guys right now, they don't know who else they're going to lose, um, which is interesting. But no, they're heading in a direction, Brady, that. You know, uh, kind of uncharted waters in college football if you're Oklahoma. I mean, nobody has de- just dominated a conference the way that Oklahoma has. Total peek behind the curtain. I didn't listen to a damn thing you said because I was actually at the bar getting us some more beer. Getting me another beer for my – Yeah, I got a softer Sabro uh, New England IPA, and it is quite lovely. Um, everything you said is completely and utterly beautiful. Well said. Poignant. You know, that's what y'all say when you want to, like, kiss ass with the other journalists. Um, but I, I gotta like I gotta throw you under the bus because now you got Blinken Riley and R.J. Young mad at me. They're not mad. They're mad at me. Disappointed. I'm disappointed. 
that I don't like a 90s kids movie as a 30-year-old? Bro, you can't disrespect Mighty Ducks like that. What did I disrespect? I just said I didn't you like it. You said it was okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's better than okay. It's elite. What's better, Mighty Ducks or Stone Cold? There is a correct answer here. I don't know what the other one is. Wow. You don't know what Stone Cold is. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to let the listeners just hate on you. Stone Cold, are we talking about a wrestler? The wrestler? That's Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, this is a different thing. So, Brady, yeah. all I do is watch sports all day. That's all I've ever done. You know how I make fun of you, Keegan? I'm an uncultured swan. You're not. I y- am. You know how I make... One of the few things I make fun of you with is that there was no OU football prior to 2010, right? Nothing okay. happened. Okay. Nothing okay. happened. Okay. Nothing whatsoever happened prior to 2010 for Oklahoma football, which is a great shame because, I don't know, this has been the one of the best, probably the best program since 1945. Have you read Bootlegger's Boy or The Undefeated or anything about this program? I mean, I know a lot about it. But now you're making me feel like I don't know enough. You know nothing, Jon Snow. I don't know about that either. Well, actually, do yourself a favor. Never watch Game of Thrones. Well, you know me. I would refuse to do that. Never watch it. I have never known such... Such disappointment. I watched season eight of Game of Thrones unfold like it was an OU loss. I screamed at the TV. I threw things. And everybody around me didn't want to be with me. <laughs> so I said fire cor- stoops. Cor- so correct correct me here. Yes. So we you have gotten Road Warrior now as a weekly guest. Yes. I love Road Warrior because he you is know, awesome. Yeah, I love I especially love 90s OU football because no one knows anything about it, and I like learning stuff about it. But uh, I like I like the past. You like history? I do love history. Oh, okay. Is that have I ever said that? Is that well documented? I think it may be. Um, you know, probably it should be. obscure no, you, fact. You're you're you know what you're talking about. I'll I'll we, hype you up. On we that should just regard. play like three questions about like get to know your inside OU podcast host because there's nothing the fuck going on this weekend. I'm pretty out there. Everybody kind of knows a lot about me. Rocky Mountain High. I like football. X and O's. Don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. I need to get done. Never get anything done on time. No, I'm, I'm just kidding around right now. No, it would be fun. I think that there are things that people don't know about me, which that's great. What turns you on, Keegan? Thinking about Cardinals baseball. Is that the right answer or wrong answer? Well, I mean, it's whatever's right for you. I'm not going to ask you to lie. And all the draft picks that the Thunder have. Those two things. Are they going to get any more from Al Horford? They're going to get We him. haven't talked to yet, by the way. He's still. See, so he exists. I, but I had to get a beat. I had to get a beat on Mark Dagnall because I have an idea of what he's like. I've talked to him a handful of times when I've gone to blue games. I know how Billy Donovan is as I've covered him for three years. I know how he would answer this question, so I wouldn't even ask him. But I don't have a beat on Mark Dagnall, so I'm like straight up yesterday or two days ago. Hey, did you guys get anybody back from uh, that that have been out from COVID or for any other reason? Are you guys relatively at full strength, not including Al Horford and Teo Maldoon? Because I know that they're still being tested. And Mark Dagnall said, "Yeah, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be vague according to the NBA guidelines." And I just 
I was muted and just went. <laughs> of course you are. So, Mark Dagnalt basically is a perfect Sam Presti. Yeah, coach. that's what I was about to say. Like, what do you th- He's not going to tell the media anything over the next two years. Yeah, we plan on playing SGA more. Yeah, I think Darius Baisley's done a good job. Yeah, Lou Dort's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Did Poku speaks English? He does speak English. I was shocked Rel- by relatively that. Relatively well. Well, Europeans are taught English oh, in ba- school. Oh, those basketball academies and stuff? They, they're they taught English in school every day in elementary school. Are they? Yeah. That's interesting. The more you know. The more you know. Keegan, I guess this is going to be a shorter pod, but there's really nothing to talk about. So I guess let's preview a little bit about Iowa State as much as we can. We don't want to talk about recruiting. Oh, my God. Oh, Mecca Buga. Oh, he, he zoomed with Ohio State, and he's going to be a Buckeye. That thing is oh so – Oh, no. That situation is so weird to me because, like, as you know, reading the tea leaves and recruiting is almost as important as not. So he visits Oklahoma, announces a commitment date. Ohio State beat reporters aren't sure what's going on. Ohio State commits are saying on Instagram that he's gone. And then literally the next day that he just is back on Ohio, the Ohio State train – I don't know. Something feels weird heading into fr- heading into tomorrow, and we'll be all over it. But um, you know, we'll we'll be covering it tomorrow. But <laughs> uh, that's why I'm gonna get slammed for that, huh? Oh yeah. I didn't know Brian Bosworth was in the movie Stone Cold. Um, do, you know, do you know who Brian Bosworth is, by the way? I do. Yes, he uh, played at Oklahoma prior to 2010, maybe in the 80s. Uh, historians believe it was around the 80s, yes. Okay. But uh, but so, yeah, with Emeka Buka, like, I don't know. I don't have a good read on it. I could say as of Thursday at 11.15 a.m. this morning, which is a long time between that point and when he commits on Friday, at that point Oklahoma did not know of his final decision. So there's that. Oklahoma felt confident. They did all that they could. They so did. they did all yeah, that they, they could. And then you just have this run of commitments coming up, man, that it's just it's interesting. We need to get someone on, probably someone on here f- next week to talk about it, but it's just it's in such a peculiar position for Oklahoma just from the aspect of all these guys left are five stars. <laughs> you want to get Sam Mays on here for a recruiting podcast? <laughs> it's one of those things that like would like no offense to Sam, but he doesn't know anything about these kids. About them meddling kids and their puppies. That's from Scooby-Doo. F- fuck them kids, right? <gasps> Make sure you see where I said the F word at. Don't let it slip. They're still going to get Bird and Foster. They're still going to get Tristan Maybe Lee. Maybe not Bird. Just that heads up. Ba 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 bird. And Rashad Samples. Oh, no, he's going to go to Smoo? And Rashad Samples. Is SMU paying people again? Did they not learn their lesson? Who It was uh, Danielson EK, and I don't know if we talked about this on Tuesday, a couple years ago, turned Oklahoma down for SMU, offensive lineman. They're paying people. SMU. That stands for Southern Methodist, which also stands for... Southern Marxist. No. Well, I don't know if Methodists, that was a stretch, right? I don't know if Methodists are Marxists, but that's you know, further study is needed from that point. I would probably assume no. Okay. I guess my final thought, Keegan, is OU has opened up as a five-point favorite against Iowa State, and I'm like, how? 
How? I like of the logo. I like them by a touchdown. I said this yesterday. I like them by a touchdown. I just don't. They can't block Oklahoma. Like, and if you can't block Oklahoma and you can give Spencer Rattler enough time to make some quality decisions, that's going to get you beat. Yeah, and handing it off to Brees Hall is not going to help. No. That, that Oklahoma's it, 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 not going to help Iowa State win, but it won't. It doesn't help against Oklahoma's front seven. No, and the thing, the biggest thing with that Brady is that, like, Oklahoma's not going to have fifteen missed tackles this week or in that game. Oklahoma's not going to have six to eight missed tackles for loss. They're just not. Like that's just not going to happen. So that part of it, and then you add Ronnie Perkins back to the conversation. Um, credit to Iowa State. Like, I think they have a really good team. Mike Rose is a future NFL player. Jaquan Bailey is going to play in the NFL. Greg Eisworth. And they have a couple other guys as well. But it just, I just don't, I don't think it's a good matchup for them at this point in the season with the way Oklahoma is playing along the defensive line. And then you just add in the aspect of Lincoln Riley has a bye week to prepare. And the last time we saw Lincoln Riley with a bye week was the Oklahoma State game where, um, you know, he basically had the whole first quarter scripted out of plays. So we'll, we'll be interesting to see how that whole thing unfolds next week. But I do like Oklahoma at, at minus five, you said. Oklahoma went up as a five-point favorite. Five, five and a half, I think. I, I would take them up to six comf- confidently. Anything above anything above six, like seven. I think that this will not be won by a single score. Who no. Have, like, I, that's the thing is I'm sure I'll have a, de- a better opinion and probably lean more towards OU once I get closer to the game because I'm a stupid fan. Once we get to next week, this time, I'm sure. But as of right now, I have no idea what to think because I saw the last time I saw OU, I thought one thing. Last time I saw us, Iowa State, I thought something. Sure. Um, but whoever wins, I feel like is going to win this fairly comfortably. That would probably suggest OU because of the talent gap. But we've already seen with our eyes, Keegan, Iowa State uh, come back from adversity against Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma helped them. A lot, 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 lot in that game. A lot. A lot. And they've got Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins. So, logically, your brain goes towards Oklahoma, and every, every time you try to talk yourself around this game, you go OU. At the same time, there's just something, I don't want to say magical, but there's something something afoot with this Iowa State team. They get OU early when they're inexperienced, get them at home, and then they get OU playing two games in 27 days. And that, that couldn't have been more fortuitous for a team that's looking to knock OU off the Big 12 pedestal. So, the, uh, like, there are this week, that, that game and the whole situation. Like, if Oklahoma would have played West Virginia and put a good game of tape together, I think Oklahoma wins in a landslide. I think Oklahoma can still win big against Iowa State. It's just it's going to be harder to kind of come to that realization just because – like you said, like the, the last time we saw Oklahoma, like their offensive line got pushed around a little bit. The last time we saw Oklahoma, they didn't look that good offensively. They didn't run the football well. So there's a lot of unknowns heading into that game. I'm excited to kind of see how it's going to play out. Um, however, uh, again, it, you can't like – I just don't think you can overthink this. Like Oklahoma's too good along the defensive line. I know it's 10 days out to the game, but Oklahoma's too good along the defensive line. And that's just going to be a major problem for Iowa State to deal with. And I, I'm interested to see how they're going to. Because if they do keep a tight end in, like that makes things easier to, for Oklahoma in coverage. If they keep a tight end in the block, um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's defensive line, like 
that just creates more problems for them offensively and let they're more limited in what they can do. So it's it's an interesting matchup. Um, it's hard to project, but again, I the, what we what we know about both teams, I just don't see how Iowa State's going to be able to block Oklahoma up front. We're just have to wait and see, I guess. Much, much, much longer. Everybody, I'm sorry the game got canceled. I'm bummed just like you are, but hopefully this podcast will find you some entertainment. And, Keegan, let's just go ahead and uh, – because we kind of kicked ourselves in the in the foot or shot ourselves – I don't know. I don't know. I'm three beers in. What did you just say? We shot ourselves in the foot the first time the West Virginia game got moved where we said, you know, we should have done a post-game show anyway on Saturday because a lot of things happened that helped OU. <laughs> this week there's now, nothing. Now there's really no games that kind of help OU out this Saturday, but what's stopping us from doing a post-game show for our lovely patrons? I'll, so. I'll definitely do that. I'll throw us, uh, I'll throw the Iowa State-Texas game on, get that done. Yeah, we and, can, uh, we'll think of something, patrons. So uh, we'll put something out there for you to enjoy. Feel free to subscribe to the Patreon. We will greatly appreciate and love you if so. But, um, yeah, sorry, guys. It happened. We're bummed, but we'll move forward and hopefully have a Big 12 championship game to watch and enjoy. So until next time, everybody, until Saturday night, Tuesday, we love you guys. Y'all have a good one. Boomer Sooner, have fun, be safe. And Keegan sucks. <laughs> <laughs>